I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I really want to eat a spotted owl. Coming to you live from the Kosher Studios in Woodridge, Illinois, this is Behind the Destruction, the Demolition Derby podcast. And now your hosts, Chris Newmer and Steve Kersky Jr., Welcome to Behind the Destruction. This is episode number seven of Behind the Destruction for the week of July 22nd, 2012. I'm Chris Newmer. With me, as always... 2011 National Champion Demo Driver, and the man who likes saying the word purse, Steve Gursky Jr. Purse. On the other side of the glass, our engineer, Maura Scherer. She says <laughs> hello. Uh, we have no guest this week, thank God. Um, but Steve, you and I are going to take a trip to the movies. Hmm. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Driven Restorations. The first step to driving your dream is contacting Driven Restorations at 608-609-5041 or finding them on Facebook. Steve, I'm genuinely entertained how many of these podcasts start out with me laughing my way through the intro because I have either screwed up like 14 times uh, somewhere along the way or, as usually happens, when I finally nail it, you drop something or our engineer starts yelling at me. Yeah, you know, I mean, a podcast takes eight hours to do yeah. on average eight. because of you. Yeah, and the, the, what people don't understand is that for every podcast, we record a solid three and a half to four hours of material that then I laboriously sift through to cut down to the tight 36, 40-minute uh, podcast that you see. We only we, – we take out all of the chafe and, and merely keep the wheat. That's what it's all about. Nicely described, Chris. Yes. <laughs> so I had an interesting thing happen recently. Uh, I got a call from a friend at about 6 o'clock at night offering me tickets uh, to a Sox game. And it was cold, and uh, the team they were playing was not good. Uh, I don't think I could have named one person on the team. To be honest, I can't even remember which team it was. I feel like it was Oakland, but whatever. The Dodgers. (laughs) Or it was definitely not the Dodgers. Uh, and the tickets were free and, uh, she called me up and was like, you know, Hey, let's go to the, let's go to the Sox game. And I said, uh, I don't know. And she said, they're free. And, uh, I continued with my hemming and hawing and she's like, I'll, I'll even buy you a beer. And I was like, eh, I don't know. And I started thinking about this and, uh, I mentioned that even though the tickets were free, I still didn't want to go. And that at this point in time in my life, baseball is not something or attending a baseball game is not something I'd really willingly do, even if it was in fact free. And she asked me just out of curiosity, how much I thought, uh, I would have to get paid in order to make use of these free tickets and get the free beer. And I came up with the figure of $176. That would be the amount of money. Somebody offers me $175 to go out to a Sox game at night on a cold night against a crappy team. Uh, I don't know. $176, that would do the trick. Wow, you're a cheap date. (laughs) Yeah. So, Steve, do you ever have things like this where it's like it seems like a really good idea, but you just start thinking about it and it's like, 
that's eh, a lot of time getting down there. I'm kind of busy. I got this. I got that. I don't know. It just it doesn't seem worth my while. I don't know. I mean, if I was real lazy that day, I suppose. I mean, there's some things that are free, but they're really not free. You know, mm-hmm. I got these free tickets, but you know, we, you know, but we're in, you know, Joliet. We have to drive into Chicago to see the game. Oh, well, that's really not free then. Yeah. Is it? Now I'm now I'm adding in fuel. Oh God, and the, oh, the pain in yeah. Fuel. The pain in the the pain in the ass of getting down there and t- oh, it's just you're just finally like you know what no it's just way too much of a headache. But now if it was like hey I got free Super Bowl tickets here oh and well it's in you know Tampa Bay and it's middle of winter and uh, I could figure out how to make that one yeah, work I, I think yeah that's yeah. Maybe it's baseball. I don't know. I just yeah, it was it was one of those moments where you sort of step outside yourself and ask yourself what the hell is wrong with you, and then you start thinking about it and realize that you know maybe maybe nothing's wrong with you at all. Maybe it is just something changing of the guard, changing of taste, something. I, like I don't that. know. I think there maybe might be something wrong with you. Something else that I was thinking about today was uh, uh, while uh, I, we had a lot of comments, I had a lot of feedback. Uh, I don't know if you did from the episode that we uh, of the podcast, I believe episode number two, where life specialist Sarah Stone came on and brought her own unique brand of performance art. Uh, most of the comments were something along the lines of she had to be kidding, right? Like she had to be joking. And I kept telling them, no, that is the the brilliance of Sarah Stone. But uh, I, I happened to think of an idea, and I realized that I should just absolutely attribute it to her because it's not something that I would ever want people to associate with my name. But I was thinking about a charity auction for demo, uh, for a demolition derby league or group where people would pay not to see the demo driver strip. Ooh, now that's that's a good one. It's like, well, here we have Tubby Johnson. Uh Tubby weighs in at 345 pounds. He's five foot six. Uh, Tubby has not shaved since uh, sometime in the late Jimmy Carter years. Uh, what do we have? What do we have? What do I see bids for Tubby keeping his shirt on? Let's start the bidding at twenty dollars. They, I mean, whatever you're raising money for, whether it's you know charities or it's you know I don't know that that would make a lot of money. I, I think so. I, I would be throwing money in. I tell you that if you know for uh, Tubby Johnson. Yeah. I I wonder if it was something where, like, you might even have to do a reverse auctioning thing as opposed to starting low because who's going to, like, once it's bid, you would have to start out high. Let's start at $110 and work our way down. And and there would be, like, a hidden reserve where it's like you hit $35, Tubby marked that as his reserve. You go lower than $35, that shirt comes off, and you can't play that waiting game. If you go go below $250, Tubby's turning around and dropping his pants. That. Getting to see the old goat. <laughs> World's worst dinner party. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, these are the things that uh, these are the things that uh, I think about. These are the this. Uh, you know, people often joke about, and I think we talked about it too, about the concept of driving drunk, um, getting on the racing derby drunk. And, uh, you know, people sort of joke about this in the same way that they joke about the uh, mud wrestling in the, uh, well, mud of a demo track. And I thought to myself, in so many sports, they always talk about performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, I think there's going to come a point in time where we're going to need performance-dehancing drugs. It's like, here, smoke this entire bong and then go out and play football. That is something I'd like to see, performance-dehancing drugs. 
Can you imagine playing football drunk? I mean, completely hammered. I mean, okay, let's go back for a pass. You're the quarterback. Hmm. Who are you throwing to? You know? I mean, that's that's along the whole lines of, you know, we talked about, um, you know, racing intoxicated, whether it's NASCAR. uh, I mean, like a backup derby, I think you'd probably end up, you know, basically showing everyone your your lunch for the day. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I mean, like. I, I don't see how it would benefit you. I think you'd have no fear. That's for damn sure. But no, we yeah. But hey, you know, hey, I made five laps. I'm gonna how come I didn't get the checkered flag? Because you went the wrong way. Yeah, know? and you only completed two. You have to go around the tires, not inside of them. You know. Well, that's something that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that's gonna be. We're gonna be. Uh, bum bum bum. Dum da da. Yeah. Bum, bum, ba, bum, bum, ba, bum. Now, now I'm thinking of what you had in mind. I'm thinking of the uh, uh, not Captain Courageous, but in uh, Cannonball Run. What's the guy's name? Him, Don DeLuise. Yeah, what's his character's name? Oh, uh, not Captain Sano. That's <laughs> that's, no, um, that's a entirely yeah, different. Uh, yes, Captain Chaos. One of the things that the NFL has been doing this offseason is really cutting down, uh, really going out and hitting a lot of uh, legislation on concussions and doing a lot of things to prevent concussions. Like the penalties that the New Orleans Saints have been experiencing have been mostly because of the fear on the league's part that uh, they will promote further injuries, further concussions. Um, in a sport such as the demolition derby, where literally cars are crashing into one another, and you know people do sometimes get knocked out, yourself included, do you think that there's enough emphasis put on concussions and uh, the, I guess, repercussions of the concussions? Boy, that sounded terrible. No, the whole concussion thing is kind of a, it's a, it's goes unseen in in the sport of team demolition. You know, it's actually during this basketball season. Uh, it was, I think it was Kevin Durant. I actually seen it on ESPN. He uh, went up for a layup, got kind of undercut, and landed, you know, back head first on on the floor. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he takes and he, you know they check him out this and that, and he comes back in the game, plays the rest of the game. Now with the NFL, you know, the guy gets hit in the head and he falls down. He's out for you know three weeks to doing all these tests on him and stuff. You know, I just think the NFL is taking it a little bit too too seriously you know and then you look at like the tda i mean these guys are you know we hit each other hard enough that you you could brace yourself you're fine but even if your head doesn't hit anything your brain is still slapping around inside your skull well sure you had a you had an instance where you knocked yourself out and did, did your helmet hit anything in that instance no it was one of those where you know well, what, what happened like what happened your... with that what happened with that situation it was a race where Instead of running laps, I was actually crushing, and as I, I took a bad angle, and actually when I tried to hit the other guy, I kind of spun and hit, just kind of slapped the wall at the side of the car, and, you know, I was leaning away from the wall, and when I hit it, it just kind of snapped my head. and So you, you were know, leaning to the passenger side? Lean toward the passenger side, you know, to kind of face away, you know, put your end toward the door, and, and uh, when it hit, it just kind of, I don't know, it was kind of like... Uh, if you ever been punched and knocked out type of thing. Oh, sure. Well, actually, no, I've never been. It's usually the other guy. But Yeah. And so you, you were knocked out. Yep, just for a little bit. And 
I mean, that's the type of thing where, uh, you know, if you're ever knocked out on on a football field or on a basketball court or, you know, baseball diamond, uh, that's the thing where it's like, you know, they've got the, the doctors around, they're shining flashlights in your eyes, you know, they're they're taking a look at you because they don't want you to be that guy in that Snickers commercial announcing that he is Batman. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, how, how did you feel at the on the opposite end of that uh, wall smack? I mean, was it something noticeably different? Uh, you know, I mean, if you've ever been, if you're, you know, kind of had a concussion or anything, you, you'll know the severity. And to the point where uh, if you don't know the severity, it's really bad, if you know what I mean. You know, there's kind of different levels. You get a real good one, you're like, wow, man, my head hurts, you know. But if you uh, don't know that it hurts, that's probably, you know, you're probably still knocked out by the time they take you out of the car. Um, but, you know, like... How how it just I think it happens more. I think more guys just don't even realize that they've had one. I mean, just the fact, like I said, you know, you take a head on with someone, even if you brace and don't hit your head, your brain is still moving at the forty five miles an hour, you know. Yeah, it's it's moving around inside your skull. You know, and you know it's one of those deals where, you know, it the next day or two you can feel you know some effects from it you know is that something that TDA would have to worry about later on i mean any demolition derby right you know uh you know i don't think uh drivers will be coming back and suing them later on you know you would hope. wait that's that's a good idea there's my retirement <laughs> yeah, like wait a minute I, yeah. uh... that'll fund my retirement well i think the yeah that's one of the things i i'm just there it seems that the focus on concussions has reached sports that don't necessarily have the same type of impact uh as others like football it's like you know heads hit heads people are constantly getting you know just absolutely just clobbered it's like okay yeah i kind of get how concussions go there but like with baseball or basketball it's like i mean there's in basketball there's certainly contact but uh nothing to the degree like uh football and and still, p- players are getting held out for concussions and brain injuries, and it's it's funny to well not funny, but it's unusual to think that there are sports out there where cars are literally crashing into one another at high rates of speed. Drivers get knocked out, and I don't want to say they get knocked out frequently, but they certainly do get knocked out, and nobody takes a look at the concussion elements uh, that are associated with it. You know, I've I've had concussions playing football. Um, heck, as a kid, you know, falling down and you know, bopping your head pretty good. Uh, but, like, you know, how you look at it with, like, the NFL, I'm a believer in the fact of, you know, yeah, it happens. You know, Chris, if you want to play football and you want to make this money, that's why they pay you this much money. If you want to damage your body to play this, you know, sport or to race this car or to do this and that, these are the consequences, you know, mm-hmm. and you're just going to have to take it. You can't be like, I want – I mean, this doesn't apply to derbies, but – you know, like an NFL player, I want, you know, $20 million because I'm worth it. You know, I could, you know, get hurt. Well, that's the whole point, you know, then don't cry when you have a concussion and, you know, your brain dead five years after you retire. You know, I mean, it's, you see where I'm going with that, where it's like, if you, there's you know, a little bit of buyer beware. Yeah. I mean, if you go and play it, you know, what's out there, you know, any, any time you could blow a knee and be done. I mean, nowadays it's not as bad because I mean, they yeah. could patch you together and you can play another 10 years, but. Well, I think it's a much different situation, too, uh, when you, like, you know, if you tear an ACL or you blow out your Achilles or something like that, it's like, that's one thing. But the concussion things just go on and that sticks with you for the rest of your life. Well, then don't play, you know, then don't race. Then, you know, wrap yourself in bubble wrap and... And pillows. And pillows and just 
sit at home, you know, watch TV. There was, or uh, there was a, I think it was an Ohio State linebacker recently who was, uh, who made headlines because he decided that he was going to go to law school as opposed to play in the NFL. Like he was offered a, I believe a free agent contract and he turned it down. He said, I don't want to risk concussions. I think he might've had a history with them already. And he was like, yeah, I'm just, I, I appreciate the opportunity, but I'm going to law school. I'm thinking about this. And he was pilloried. People just came out and were just uh, calling him everything from a huge pussy to uh, just a big wimp. And it was like, oh, come on, go on. And, it's you know, you see that and it's like, why? That's actually sort of a responsible thing to do. I mean, if you actually sat down and did research on how many um, student athletes in college, you know, pass up the opportunity to go professional in their sport to concentrate more on their career because it's like a safer bet it's a staggering number you know Mm -hmm. it's actually a pretty small number that actually try to go on and be professional in their sport and it's just kind of one of those things it's where you know it's just like what i'm saying you sit there and you weigh the risks and you go hmm you know do i want to you know just work my job and go watch the races or do i want you know to get involved and possibly you know lose my brain or my my (laughs) short-term memory for a while you know it it does seem like it shouldn't come down to that though like that choice like i mean in anything you do there's a risk and you know you're taking a car that can go upwards of 50 miles an hour and basically run it smack dab into another car doing the same thing or worse yet the wall i would say the other car hit me probably worse but to me it feels worse Mm. um but it's one of those deals where you choose to do it, you know the risks, and you know it's it's no different than with the driver's door stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I it, guess the difference is that in the derby, nobody's getting paid twenty million dollars. Well, nobody's, exactly. nobody's getting paid yeah. anything to do anything. Right. I mean, yes, if you weigh it into money, I mean, because you can take and substitute the money with passion for it, you know. Yeah, the love, the drug. Yep. But for the drivers who are out there and who have said, you know what, this I realize that this is a chance, I accept it, I'm going to go out there, do you think that the medical care that is offered to the drivers presently is uh, commensurate with the dangers that they face? I would have to say it's it's not because basically how it, how it com- what it comes down to, unless they can see that there's something physically wrong with you, they will help you. But you have to be able to... Basically diagnose yourself, you know, if yeah. if it's one of those things where you take a hard shot and say your car ends right there, you're, you're okay, but you're not right. Mm-hmm. You need to walk over to the ambulance and say, hey, listen, I need to be checked out. Now, if, you know, for some reason you don't do that and then you go home and you have problems. In fact, we've actually had that happen um, this year or this last year, you know, if, if this person wouldn't have, uh, you know, been more aware of his, of himself, it could have been turned out pretty bad. Yeah. Well, I think that there's also that element. I mean, you all, you often hear about the guys saying "shake it off" or, um, you know, rub comp- some dirt on it. Yeah, Come rub on. some dirt on it, or people performing like small surgery on themselves with like, uh, you know, uh, they're so they're they're giving themselves stitches with. Uh, they're giving themselves stitches with like clothesline and uh, sterilizing things by uh, torching it and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, there's a certain manliness to that, except for the part where uh, the underlying medical conditions go undiagnosed. 
Right. You know, and then with concussions is the biggest thing because, I mean, symptoms, symptom-wise, you know, it could be a couple days later, you know, where, yeah. hey, you know, you have bleeding on the brain or something like that. You know, nothing like that's happened, you know, in recent years. But, you know, as the sport evolves, I think kind of like it's almost like the health care of the track could be, you know, can they, do they have to screen everyone, you know, every driver after the races? Um no, do I have an answer how they could make it better? Not really. You no. know, I mean, it's a tough thing to do. I think that the other thing is that the standards, it seems like, for society have been upgraded. You know, six years ago, five, six years ago, nobody cared about concussions. And suddenly, all of a sudden, they became the injury du jour. And, you know, the NFL is changing its rules around to accommodate them. The same with the NBA and baseball. And, uh, I don't watch soccer or hockey, so I have no idea about that. But again, something like this, uh, you know, I've like when I've been at the derbies, I've seen people take bad hits and they don't want to show any weakness like, oh, yeah, that guy really tagged me and I can't now lift my arm above my my hip. Uh, and it's like they don't want to do that. So they don't they just play it off like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then the next day they can't move. And it's like the only way that the uh paramedics or the medical staff who's there will know anything's wrong as if like a bone is sticking out through your arm and long term bone through your arm really not that big of a deal right you know i mean for me i've been banged up in a race before and you know it's either in a first round race or a second round race and it's like wow you know you know i can't really move my arm you know um well you know sit out go to the ambulance no and the reason why is you say no i'm fine because i think you know when there's something you know like that, I, I would say probably from your your uh, neck down, you know, you could pretty much be like, mm, no, I'm, I'm I'm feeling okay, I'll be okay, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I believe both legs are still attached, and uh, I'm good yeah, to go. Yeah, I don't have a, you know, my ribs aren't sticking out, you know, so I'm good to go. Yeah, but even like there's a, you know, and I think uh, to a certain extent, I'm certainly guilty of promoting this, but there's a there's a driver, Dave Swan who actually cut off a cast off his wrist. He cut off his cast. He broke his wrist. He got a cast on it. Uh, the league does not let you race with a cast. So he cut it off so he could race. And I, he was racing with a broken wrist. And it's like, wow. I mean, I love the dedication. I love the passion. I love the story. But that, uh, you know, when you when you start looking at it from a sort of health standpoint, that does not seem like the way to go. So it was basically he was the he's the – Jack Youngblood of of uh, the demos, um, or the Jack Bauer, Jack Bauer, Jack Youngblood who who played in two playoff games in a Super Bowl with a broken leg. Yeah, oh, that's right. Old Raider was it? Nope. Um, Cowboy Rams. Rams. Okay. Ballet. Ballet hmm. Rams. Yeah, those were the those were like uh, you hear the stories like guys would have their fingers sewn back on. Well, it was Ronnie Lott who yeah you know he would miss games so he just he cut his own finger off his own pinky. Yeah. Cut her right off. And it's like, that's a great story. You talk about the passion. But again, long term, uh, probably not the best example yeah. for it's other gonna people. not going to play the guitar yeah. or the piano. That's true. Steve, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, you and I going to the movies. Sweet! Driven Restorations, a family-owned and operated full-service auto restoration shop, which is located in Randolph, Wisconsin. Whether it's a full frame-off restoration or just a detailed cleaning for the upcoming show season, bring your collector car or truck in to Driven Restorations. You can follow us on Twitter at Driven Resto, that's D-R-I-V-E-N-R-E-S-T-O. 
Facebook, or our website, DrivenRestorations.com. Driven Restorations will help you drive your dream. Welcome back. We're here with our new segment, Numer and Gursky, together at the theater. Mm, I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, we hmm, we might have to we might have to work this one out a little bit. What else we got here? Chris and Steve, turn off the lights. Mm, uh, that know, brings back to me bad memories. We really are going to have to iron out more of this in uh, pre-production. But uh, since we are going to have to move on here, should we just say that we'll go with the next one? Chris Numer and Steve Gursky Jr. coming out soon. Whoa! Well. I, I don't. Uh, whatever. You know, I quit. I really, I quit. <laughs> well, Steve, you and I, uh, we saw a movie recently, and uh, the re- the reason we like this, and the reason we're talking about it, called Drive. Yes, let's drive. Let's drive some cars. You know, maybe even wreck some of them. Go yeah. fast. You know, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I guess the movie Wreck is coming up next. Oh, <laughs> I guess Crash. Crash. But. Uh, Actually, there was a lot of crashing in that movie, though. So Yeah, but that was mostly the crashing and burning of it overall. But <laughs> So when you see a movie and it's titled Drive, and it's about a stunt driver who drives... As a wheelman, basically. As a wheelman on the weekends, there's a certain expectation that comes along with it, wouldn't you say? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, so you got a guy who, well, he's real handy with cars... Mm-hmm. Uh, he customizes um, all all kinds of cars. He's got a possible race car coming in. He drives stunt car, and he's a wheelman for the bad guys on the weekends. Man, I mean, I was I was excited to see this movie. Yeah, when you hear that, it's it certainly paints a certain picture for you. Something maybe not fast and maybe not furious, but close, maybe. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, that's what was kind of the premise I was going on was a little, something with uh, actual uh, driving in it, maybe. <laughs> you know, because that's in the title. Yes, it, it is right there, drive. And yet, it, what I think is most interesting about this film is how little driving there is. Yeah, a little bit of driving, and actually, the dialogue was was not there either oh i'm sorry there was dialogue <laughs> yeah exactly i thought it, the the entire movie can really be summed up as ryan gosling and carrie mulligan stare at each other oh it was dreamy that yes. that actually was uh i believe pages two through uh 24 of the script they just look at each other mm, smoldering mm. Mm. yeah and the a lot of people when this movie came out originally a lot of people had problems with it because it didn't feature a lot of driving. And as a matter of fact, it opens with a scene that, would you say, kind of, sort of features driving? Yeah, yeah, it's where you're it, kind of just out the windshield. Yeah. Kind of, you know, you get the, the center stripe going down the road at night, you know? Yeah. I mean, but the movie opens, and Ryan Gosling's character is in the midst of being, uh, like, on a job, uh, driving uh, as a getaway driver for a crime that's being committed. But, and it's... One of the more unusual car sequences or driving sequences that I've seen in film because uh, what what is so unusual about it is that there's really not a whole lot of driving. There's time where Ryan Gosling is spent sitting at a red light. Uh, he's waiting for people to come out of the building, and then he ultimately ends up going into a parking garage. And hides. And hides. Yep. So it's it's almost like not driving. 
And then, you know, my favorite thing about car movies, you know, and, you know, car chasing and stuff like that is to see the different kinds of muscle cars or different kind of unique cars. And this movie had had a few, but the main character, you know, what he drove, you know, it wasn't a Chevelle, you know, it wasn't a Corvette, a Mustang, anything cool. It was a 1975 Chevy Laguna. Hmm. Yeah, not my choice as a movie car. So where suppose. does that rank on the coolness uh meter well in 1975 uh that gets probably a three out of ten anyway and then the hmm. laguna well that was probably a one that was one of the bigger flop cars i would suppose so we're averaging a two of ten here on the coolness meter yeah yeah uh, do you think it was the type of thing where somebody who is uh super cool and confident themselves could make it like say a five like if George Clooney or uh, Clint Eastwood in his prime was driving that car, would it bring up to a five? Yeah, I mean, if it was 1975 and Clint Eastwood, you know, Dirty Harry was pimping that bitch out, yeah, that'd be kind of cool just because it's Dirty Harry. Yeah, but the... And, you know, then it blows up and at the end, you know, he wrecks the hell out of it, it blows up. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, but the former Mouseketeer who doesn't say much and sort of has the doe eyes, not so much. Not so much. Not cool. Yeah. But there is a scene in it, in the elevator, you know what I'm talking about, Yep. that I thought was actually kind of, it didn't go with the movie quite exactly, but no, it did It, it did kind of wake me up half halfway through the movie. Yeah. Well, the, the thing that we have yet to say about this is that uh, I thought the movie was actually well made. I don't I'm not going to say that it was something that I would necessarily ever see again but it it seemed like there was a lot of good filmmaking in it it just wasn't about driving nor about uh the lead character in any way Right I didn't really care for it and uh I mean it just shows the you know, who has better taste which I do hmm. obviously cuz you know it was uh you know I could have fell asleep through it sometimes I th- I think you did actually Yes but there were there were these moments, and it was probably like maybe one every twenty minutes where somebody would do something, and you'd look and you'd be like, "Oh my God, that's just holy God! I can't believe they did that." Yeah, the the, the goriness, the gruesomeness yes, of there, it was did not fit with the movie. One minute they're two people looking into each other's eyes, yeah, with a warm actually, filter. Actually, what it is, in. it was that it was three people in an elevator. A man's on the elevator, two come in. The two main characters come in. They're hanging out, kind of looking at each other. They look at the guy, looking around, looking around, look, 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 and make out. So he's making out, not the guys, the chick and the dude. You know, they're making out, making out, and all of a sudden he turns around and hits the guy, knocks him down, and there's a big bloody pile of brains on the on the ground. Well, the part that you left out is he starts beating his face in with a fire extinguisher. No, actually it was his foot. Wait, there's no fire extinguisher? No, it was his foot. I swear there was a fire extinguisher. And then the said girl that he was making out with, obviously in disgust, ran away when the elevator door opened up. So yeah. well, I mean, it's one of those parts of the movie where you stop and you look at the person you're watching with and you're like, that was kind of uncalled for. Cool, but uncalled for. <laughs> the one that got me was where one character walked up to another, like extended a hand like he was going to shake his hand, and then sliced the guy's wrist. Do you remember that? Yeah, he sliced it long way from he, his elbow. Yes, inside he did. his elbow long down to his wrist. That, yeah, that was that made me hurt. Yeah, I, that, I was like, oh god, because you know most of the movies, uh, you know, they don't, they don't. When it comes time to uh, slitting your wrists of any kind, it's always sort of what would they be horizontally, like short ways on your arm, and uh, 
in this and that's not the way to do it because you can just either like hold your hand back or you know it's not that hard but it's like if you go from elbow down to wrist oh you're screwed yeah they call it the hot dog bun you're done for oh just just the mention of that that was you can't you can't close that up no but uh never has there been a movie that uh that involves a very specific Auto world term like drive that seems less comfortable. You know, have with that. yeah. Have I watched other movies that were a lot more out there? You know, totally way off. You bet. But when something is named Drive, I was really geared up for you know, like you said, like a Fast and the Furious type movie with you know just that whole wheel man thing in it. He's a stunt man. Yeah, you and you get one car crash in it, and yeah, so and and it wasn't even yeah, it was it didn't. You go, you go, you go. And the other thing, and this is something that I think holds true in life as well, is that if you start something, uh, if your initial impression of something is in one direction, like as I said, the movie opens with that getaway scene, and it's it's a little bit tense. It's maybe not action-filled, but it is tense. And it's like you're like, okay, all right, I'm in. And then you're like, you have to wait another hour and change before anything like that ever comes back again. Yeah, I don't know. So, what do you what do you grade the movie at? Uh, out of ten. Out of ten. Ten being the best. I don't know. I I was I enjoyed the filmmaking. I will never see it again. Uh, uh what would be a B plus seven six? Wildly yeah. mislabeled. Wildly mislabeled. But. Uh, the other part that I, I thought was interesting about this, and this sort of – you can't really call it a romance exactly, but uh, Ryan Gosling's character and Carey Mulligan's character are obviously set up as sort of romantic foils, if you will, like romantic There's an partners. there, yeah. Like yeah, everything about the movie says, hey, Ryan Gosling and Carey Mulligan are going to hook up. This is, We should want them to be together, except Carey Mulligan is married – and has a child with the guy she's married to. And and then he uh what is it? He starts out in prison and then he shows up. And she's then happy with the guy in prison. And it's like, okay, Ryan Gosling doesn't talk much. He doesn't have a name. He doesn't have any real interests. And the one thing we thought we had going, namely that he's into this chick, well, now he doesn't have that either. Yeah, and then when they actually kind of start to heat it up, he smashes a guy's head to pieces in front of her. And, yeah. You know, she has a problem with that. Women. Yeah, I don't know. You know, you, you, you beat a couple of guys to a bloody pulp in an elevator, and all of a sudden the world looks at you a little bit differently. You know, for me, it's the name. Okay, if it's name drive, let's do it. You know, I mean, like, when you know, Debbie does Dallas. It is what it is right there. It tells you, not drive, and we're just going to stare at each other. So Yeah, Batman, not not a whole lot of confusion there. Pearl Harbor. Hmm. Snakes the, on a plane. The unbearable lightness of being. Snakes on a motherfucking plane. Yeah, it, it's right there, and drive. I wonder, I know this was uh, based on a on a book, but I wonder if at any point in time anyone thought... I mean, you can't call it the slow-moving movie where people look at each other. Well, I'll put it to you. What would you – can you come up with anything better than Drive? Mm, let's see. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I don't think it speaks highly of a film, though, when the thing that most people talk about when they come out of it is how the title was absolutely wrong. Yeah. Star Wars. What could you change that to? 
Yeah. Earth. <laughs> you know, I mean. No, because that was happening a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know if I'd recommend that other people actually see Drive, though. Actually, if I don't like you, why don't you go ahead and go see Drive? Yeah. On a Friday night when you were going to go out with a chick, just take your friend and go and waste a bunch of time. That'd be <laughs> my thing. I think you've. I think you've just. I think that's a. Uh, we should trademark that phrase in terms of uh, just something being bad, right there. Yeah. So yeah, not not uh, as uh, as uh, Chris Newer and Steve Gursky Jr. new segment coming out soon uh, comes to its inaugural close. We have we saw the movie Drive and give it hearty recommendations to people that we don't like. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, so, but we're going to have to do something with that name, though. Yeah, we really are going to have to work on that. Next up, Drive Angry. I guess this is what happens after you see Drive. <laughs> so, All right, well, Steve, thus concludes this episode. Uh, and to all of you, we say thank you for listening, and we will return next week. For Chris Numer and Steve Gersky Jr., go Gersky, go home, or go home with Gersky. I'm John Sensimer. We hope you enjoyed our podcast, and thank you for listening. Behind the Destruction would like to thank our producer, Maura Scher, and Kosher Studios, located in Woodridge, Illinois. Visit them on the web at koshersounds.com. For previous episodes of Behind the Destruction, the latest Demolition Derby news, and columns, you may visit us at behindthedestruction.com. Thank you.